We are five Sundays on this empty tomb side of the resurrection. We are Easter people living at our own paces of what that means. What it means to us that Jesus, he is not where we left him, but he is continually going ahead of us, calling us to join him on the way. So I think when we are in seasons like this, between Easter and Pentecost, it's good sometimes to remember how we got here, or I think it is helpful for me. To remember the stories that have buoyed us, even as they prepare us for the expected coming of the Holy Spirit in ways we can never really expect. So after Jesus, on that early morning, the first day of the week, left instructions with an angelic messenger for the female and male disciples that he would meet them in Galilee, the place where their adventure with Jesus began, Jesus realized that they were still afraid, still human, still confused and grieving and in need of his peace to get them out of locked rooms and back into the world. So Jesus showed up, first to the disciples minus Thomas, and then again when Thomas was there. And he began with the witness of his hands and feet, the proof of ten fingers and ten toes that could belong to no one but him, identifying him by the wounds in the particular ways that served as marks of what had happened to him. So the disciples could recognize Jesus in ways they could understand, through food and fellowship, through wounds and the realities that bodies change. And they received the blessing of peace that comes from sharing stories of what scars have been left on us. And in that way, when we encounter another and their scars, whether it's a friend, a stranger, or a perceived enemy of the people, like a short of stature tax collector, forced to climb a tree because the crowd wouldn't let him get near Jesus, we're able to recognize that it's not a competition for God's grace and Christ's welcome. Because all of us are welcome. All of us are bid to come down from the high places where we perch over others and to make a way for those seeking transformation to come and eat and fellowship with Jesus around the table where God is our host and who passes around cup after cup to hold the abundance of blessings that are overflowing so that we might share with our neighbors the promise that though we walk through dark valleys and hard times, God is with us and we lack for nothing. These post-resurrection stories of Jesus and what they tell us about resurrection people serve as signposts on our way with God, trailblazes of the Spirit's activity in the life of Jesus and in the lives of those who made up those earliest communities. 
people figuring out what it means to be faithful to the divine mystery still being revealed in them. And today, another story about another blaze along the trail of faith. What draws me into this story is the Holy Spirit's activity, bringing Philip and the unnamed Ethiopian man together and their questions that turn a time of conversation into a moment, I would say, of mutual conversion. The story is thick with the presence of the Holy Spirit that burns in the hearts of both Philip and the Ethiopian. As one of them responds to the command, go on a road where no one is, this wilderness road, and the other, who is reading aloud a troubling text about one who was shorn and kept silence in humiliation and justice denied. And I want to say a quick word about my word choice regarding this man from Ethiopia. Luke refers to him as the eunuch no less than five times, making his sexual identity as a castrated man his primary identity by the author. And this I find troubling. Thanks in part to Josh Bledsoe, who's not here. He's helped me realize these moments of what sounds troubling to others should trouble me. And so Josh has helped me with this passage some. And I love Luke. He's my favorite gospel writer next to Mark. So this is hard for me to critique one of my favorite people. But Luke does tell us more about this man. He's from Ethiopia. He's a royal official. He is educated enough to read Greek. He's wealthy and devout enough to own and read the prophet Isaiah. And he's humble enough to know he doesn't understand what he's reading without help. And so in his humility, he practices some hospitality. When Philip speaks to him at the direction of the Holy Spirit, the Ethiopian invites the talkative pedestrian into his chariot. And imagine this in a modern-day setting that a diplomat visiting Washington, D.C. invites a street preacher into his government-issued black sedan for a little Bible study on the way to the airport. I mean, it's that much of a random meeting and difference of class. So when Luke refers to this one by his sexual identity, identity that highlights his otherness and his difference as the only way to understand him, the gospel writer denies the wonderfully complex intersectionality that is this son of Africa and royal official. So I'm either going to say the Ethiopian or the man from Ethiopia. And I'll trust that you can use your imagination to appreciate that there's more to him than the story that Luke gives us. We get a glimpse of the Ethiopian's inner thoughts and wrestling with God and his place in God's family from the text he's reading. And I believe the Holy Spirit honors authentic wrestling with Scripture for the blessing it holds for us. 
I've done it and I still do it as a woman with a call to preach. And I'm sure that you all have had your own moments of wrestling with this scripture, with tradition, with church, maybe all at the same time for the blessing that you know resides in you. So we can understand where our friend from Ethiopia is coming from because we've been in similar places. When the word of God gets used in such ways that exclude rather than include. When it's used as a weapon rather than a welcome. Such are the passages in the Bible about eunuchs and those whose genitals are mutilated and are barred from participation in the assembly of the Lord found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. But thankfully, our friend is not reading from the law. He's reading from the prophets, specifically from Isaiah, a book that theologian Karen Baker Fletcher calls a book of hope and promise for eunuchs, captives, the poor, the sick, the lame, and the outcast. It's the book from which Jesus did most of his rabbinic teaching, promising freedom from marginalization in the assembly, in the temple, including release from certain older Deuteronomistic and Levitical laws. This is the way the Spirit works, at least in this passage, that if God is the lawmaker and giver, then God, through Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit, is also the law bender and law transcender, who both places limits on the faithful and inspires them to challenge and break those limits when right relationships with God and each other are at stake. And the question and response between the man from Ethiopia and Philip the disciple turn on this challenge of limits because right relationships are at stake. Listen again to the question that opens the door. Do you understand what you are reading? How many times have I struggled through reading something over my head? and wished someone would ask me that question. And how many times have I let others struggle with something over their heads and never asked that question? Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, unless someone guides me? While Philip may have thought he was the one holding open a door to a conversion conversation, the Ethiopian did the exact same thing. Will you be the someone who can guide me along this tugging of faith in my heart and the desire of my head to know more? Will you be my someone? And so with openness on both sides to hear the stories and struggles of the other, Similarities began to emerge. It's in this third question. Who is this text about? Is it only about Isaiah and his situation way back in the past? Or is this passage about me as well? 
where we find the similarity. Is this a word from God for someone else, or is this God's word for me today? The Ethiopian wants to know, is there any good news for me? And here, Philip's pastoral ministry shines through. Not so much in the specifics of what he said. There's no Roman road to salvation, because Romans wasn't written yet. There's no formula for right belief. But we see the effectiveness, the kindness, and compassion of Philip, though we don't know what he said in how the Ethiopian reacted. Philip ministered to one not used to receiving gentle affirmation, grace, because the Ethiopian identified with one who was shorn, the one in the Isaiah text that was troubling. And so he has experiential reason to hope in Isaiah's prophecy of a Messiah who also understands what it's like to be shorn, to be humiliated, to have justice denied. Philip shines the light of the Spirit on the Ethiopian story, refracting it through the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus, where it becomes a narrative of redemption, restoration, and most importantly, hope. Our friend from Ethiopia found good news because the story of Jesus matched his life story. He could be found in the faith and life of Jesus. And so in response to this hope, our friend has one more question. What's to prevent me from being baptized? What can stop me from being part of God's beloved community? Philip could have fallen back on those older laws, but instead the voice of the Spirit whispered, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing holds this one back from being part of God's family. And absolutely nothing can hold us back from the community extended in God's eternal embrace. All of us are searching for good news. No matter how long we've been professed Christians and supporting members of communities of faith, we're all searching. And perhaps, like the Ethiopian and Philip, the search for good news lies in relationship with each other. I think the Holy Spirit of God delights when we get together like this, giving and granting one another opportunities to offer help and guidance into the places where our deepest hungers and questions meet the deepest love of God. So with courage and grace, and the love of Jesus is our trailblaze to follow, let us go out wherever the Spirit sends us. And all God's people said, 